And in many ways, I believe that we're educated not to feel, not to feel. Don't be sad. Don't be scared. Don't be mad. And, you know, my job as a, as a therapist is not necessarily to make people feel better, but to feel more. And, and, I, and I like to say that, that happiness is contingent on our ability to play the rest of the emotional keyboard. So for me, my, my happiness, and, and I have become, and I use that word on purpose, I've become a very happy, excited person in life. But it is entirely, entirely based on my capacity for grief, my, my capacity for, for fear, and, and also for anger. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Lauren Taus is a psychedelic therapist and educator. She specializes in ketamine therapy, uh, but has also studied MDMA, psilocybin, ayahuasca, and DMT. She believes that psychedelic medicines may be the most effective interventions for treating mental health and supporting well-being. And I totally agree. During the episode, Lauren talks about some of the countless benefits of psychedelic therapy and how it can create massive breakthroughs and also help with PTSD. She also talks about the importance of integration in order to maximize the benefits of the medicine when returning to real life. This episode isn't made to convince you to seek this type of therapy but just to help educate, inform, and bring more awareness to this sacred form of healing. Yes, very excited to to learn today and to be a vessel to help spread uh, some education. Lauren, thank you so much uh, for being a part of the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Justin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, uh, this is such a form of love, and uh, you know that's really why I'm I'm so excited to to chat about it. Really, to learn more uh, myself uh, about psychedelic uh, therapy, um, and then really just to be any sort of a container or space 
for people uh, to be educated and just to learn more. Like awareness is everything. Why not have more information? Why not learn more about things that maybe are newer or we're uncertain about, or maybe we're eager or interested in uh, and just get some uh, education. So Lauren, if you could just please let us know um, a little bit about yourself, what you specialize in, just a quick little rundown. Sure. Well, my name is Lauren Taus and I am first and foremost, a human being, a spiritual being having a human experience on planet earth. And as a professional, I am a psychedelic assisted therapist an educator and an activist for the freedom of consciousness. I am really driven by my own experiences and my own transmutation, my own personal growth and with the knowledge that it's possible for anyone at any time to shift and align with, with what's their, their truest, highest good mm. and doing so really live well. So I, you know, and I have, there's so many questions and there's so many things I think we can get into. And I think just one of them too. So I know that psychedelic treatment was something that existed years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of went away, uh, for many years. And then it just recently kind of came back up to the surface. Mm-hmm. Can you shed some light maybe in why it disappeared for a little bit? What happened there? Because I have so much love and faith in this medicine. And one of my things is like, why was that, you know, and it's okay. The journey is what it is, but like, why was that taken away from us for so long? Why was that hidden? Why was that viewed as something bad or negative? Can you shed some light on, on where it's gone uh, for the past, what has it been, 30, 40, 50 years? Mm-hmm. The 60s and the early 70s were a time of shutdown. And ultimately, psychedelic medicine is ancient medicine. And we humans have created some modern molecules, which are incredibly effective at really disrupting some of the most sticky pathological processes, including addiction, right? Some of the schedule one substances are the most effective interventions for for treating alcoholism, drug addiction, et cetera. And, you know, I'd say people around the planet in different places have been working with psychoactive substances for ritual initiation for all kinds of different reasons. And in American history, for the, for the vast majority of American history, all drugs have been legal. I think some of the earliest, one of the earliest pieces of legislation that I know about around shutting down drugs was in 1914. It was the Harrison's Narcotic, Narcotics Act. And that was against you know, opiates. And you know, prior to that time, people could buy methamphetamine, opiates, um, all kinds of things on the shelves of, of CVS and Dwayne Reed. And they may have been carrying more judgment towards alcohol at that time as we were preparing for prohibition of alcohol. And the, the legislation has largely been against groups of people, right? So, so that was specifically targeting the Chinese legislation around marijuana was, was targeting the Mexican population, obviously crack and cocaine against the, the black population. So, so the war on drugs has really been a war on people. And there are many different reasons for this and speculations around this, but ultimately I think it's been about control and power. Mm. So when, when drugs are available and free, 
uh, for kind of purchase, if you will, people generally don't have the problems that we have today in the more draconian lens. Now, of course, we're in a really exciting and hopeful time where, where there's research across the planet at, at massive research institutes to explore how these various compounds and plants can be worked with uh, for healing, for, for health, for personal development, for spiritual growth. And I, I'm so, so excited about that. And, and I, it comes with its own sets of concerns, but it's, um, I think by and large, a, a really, really, really exciting and hopeful time. Yes, definitely. It's like, let's, I don't, I'm just, I'm such an advocate of like, let's look into the things that are natural that come from planet earth that are literally here designed to help us heal. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast so badly is because I firmly believe in like psychedelic therapy, it promotes our oneness and it promotes healing and health and, you know, living happier lives and understanding our trauma and working through those things. It's like facing things head on so that we can work through them and feel good. Um, and then just, you know, just to back up a little bit too, in terms of psychedelic assisted therapy, what is that, what does that exactly mean? So the word psychedelic really just means mind expansion. It's the word psyche and Deloon come together, psyche, mind, spirit, if you go in that direction. And Deloon is really about expansion and, and revealing. So we're tripping all the time. <laughs> and as well, I, I firmly believe that good psychotherapy without any sort of psychedelic should be psychedelic in so much as supporting a person in widening the way in which they see themselves, their relationships, the planet, their lives, and helping a, a, an individual construct a reality for themselves that, that's more accurate, right? As, as little people, we sacrifice our authenticity to belong. And as adults, that same mechanism of action is, is the source of suffering, right? <clears throat> And in many ways, I believe that we're educated not to feel, not to feel. Don't be sad. Don't be scared. Don't be mad. And, you know, my job as a, as a therapist is not necessarily to make people feel better, but to feel more. And, and, I, and I like to say that, that happiness is contingent on our ability to play the rest of the emotional keyboard. So for me, my, my happiness, and, and I have become, and I use that word on purpose, I've become a very happy, excited person in life. But it is entirely, entirely based on my capacity for grief, my, my capacity for, for fear, and, and also for anger. And anger is a, a real interesting one because we have culturally sort of an anaphylactic allergy towards it. And, and we, we associate it with danger, et cetera. I think men have a little bit more license towards it, but even still it's, it's kind of wonky. And if you actually have, you know, becoming peaceful requires mastery of conflict and being able to directly confront what is maybe a boundary violation or injustice, which is anger, right? Is, is part of how we become peaceful. So mm. just to name that the good psychotherapy, no medicine needed should be psychedelic in nature. Now people have, to answer your question, a, you know, our, our identity constructions and our patterning become very rigid. 
And we often have really precious, tender parts of ourselves that are guarded aggressively, so much so that we don't even have access to them. And I often say you, you don't think feelings. You know, we're, we're so cognitive. We're, we're so in our heads. We're, we're so disconnected from form. And, and to get into our bodies is, is not the easiest thing. And these medicines, plant and compound, that are being explored in, in research that, that I have the privilege to, to partner with in my practice are tools that can, and again, they're not the only way and it's not the only thing This good therapy is, is psychedelic, but they can really accelerate the process of a person having an experiential reference point versus just an intellectual one. And it's from the place of experience that we have the possibility to translate the, the shift into the 3D, into a, our lived lives, which is why the integration is so very important of the experience. I definitely want to talk to you about integration because I know that is a huge, and I have that written down, so I will not Great. forget that. Uh, I definitely want to jump into that. Um, I, I want to, before we do though, I want, I just, I want to make this like very clear for anybody listening who has any questions or interest or anything around, uh, psychedelic therapy, um, for you specifically, Lauren, what, what is, so say if somebody wanted to come and see you, right. And they said they have a lot of trauma or things they need to work through. What does that process look like? How are you kind of guiding them? Do you jump right into psychedelics? Is there things that happened before that? What does that process kind of look like for you? The process for any good clinician requires development of relationship prior to the, the engagement of any sort of medicine. I, I, I like yes. to say, I, I need to know who's who in your zoo, where you're looking to go and grow. I, I need to know you and trust that. I feel this is a, an appropriate clinical intervention and that I can hold you in whatever it is that, that is needing to be shed and, and shifted. And, and ultimately I, I think people come often to therapy or psychedelic medicine because something inside of them needs to die in order for them to live. And so I need to feel really confident and comfortable in my capacity to hold the dying. And that's from my lens, right? And from their, their side, like I always tell people, interview therapists, you might be working with the best MD dealing with eating disorders or dealing with PTSD or dealing with whatever, but it might not be the right chemistry between people. And so I invite people to be in active conversation and somewhat of an interviewing process with their provider in order to ensure a good fit. And unfortunately, like there's, there's an outrageous need collectively and, and probably not enough people that are providing. I mean, all of my colleagues, myself included, were busy. And, and, and you know, it brings me to something that's in, on my mind quite a lot, which is the, the limitations of dyadic work. That's one-on-one, -on -one. that's client with therapist. And the importance of group healing work, because so often individuals are having conversations with me that they need to be having with somebody else. And we can talk about that forever. And I'm super down to support the conversation, but it needs to shift out of the therapeutic dynamic into key relationships. Is there like that sense of community and knowing that other people are maybe experiencing the same things as you that allow people to be more vulnerable, open up, and maybe really get to, 
I don't want to call it an issue, but get, but get to their trauma or what they're trying to heal. For sure. I mean, people need, I can't tell you how often, Justin, I hear the words, this is the only place I feel safe. You're the only person I feel safe with. And while wow. I'm honored and privileged to be able to hold a safe space, I don't want to be the only one. I don't want to be the only space and place where a person feels that. So for me, you know, the integration on the back end, even of a regular therapy session is how do we widen that net? How do we include more people, places, and spaces where an individual can feel free to, to be actually honest and, and alive in their own truths? You had asked also, like, how do I work? And so there's always cultivation of connection before an engagement with with a psychoactive. Ketamine specifically is is the only legal substance. I'm MAPS trained. I'm also trained in shamanic realms with plant medicines. And, you know, once the, the relationship has roots, then, only then, can we start to really partner with with medicine that that is psychedelic in nature. Yes. Okay. And you said that you do specialize in ketamine. Ketamine like is the only legal currently that you're able to practice with. That's right. That is wild. How, you know, it's like, how are these other things not, it's okay. Again, unfortunately there's a lot of minds and a lot of different verticals working hard on the, on this obstacle, right? Because said, I mean, for example, when we look at addiction, for example, which is rampant, people are are, are addicted and addiction is, is a symptom. It's not the problem. It's the symptom. And Mm. so, I mean, I have people who I've supported with, with, with ketamine assisted psychotherapy who have, you know, some degree of stability in, in recovery uh, prior to kind of partnering with, with this tool, but you know, they eat like people in recovery often love to use the language. I'm an addict. Right. And, and that is so full of shame. It's, and I'm like, okay, you're a human being who developed an addiction because your inner resourcing was overwhelmed by the happenings of your experience. You're a sensitive person. Right. And, and on some level addiction is skillful and intelligent and, and we want better skills and we want better like abilities to to manage what what it is that that we're going through but there's a lot and and one thing that i so love about the psychedelic realms is is that they immediately open the doors which by the way are already open but they immediately open the doors to intergenerational transpersonal and collective content so i live in venice beach right and i i live in a neighborhood that is ridden with homelessness which of course has a ton of comorbidity with with mental illness. And when I walk outside for a coffee in the morning, it's often that I encounter a psychotic episode and that impacts my nervous system. And of course, so we are all impacted by one another. I mean, the the two most common experiences with psychedelics that translate into positive treatment outcomes are mystical experiences. So that sense of oneness, which is the truth of what is, Mm -hmm. and also experiences of love, right? People like really feeling love for themselves, for their families, for people maybe they've hated or struggled with because they've hurt them. Like there's a widening of an ability to forgive and to care and and it's incredible and it's wildly impactful in terms of, of creating good change. And 
like I, I mentioned, like, this is a shared field. So even if your experience as, as an individual is quite blessed not to be ridden with an, a unique personal trauma, you're swimming in fields of trauma by being human. I just work because we're all connected, literally. And that's such a good example. Like when you when you go outside to get your coffee um, and someone has like an episode, it's like we're, we are, we're all a part of it, even though it may not be you specifically individually, we're still all connected in this realm. hundred percent. So I've had, you know, I've had my own uh, psychedelic experiences and uh, I've had friends who have experienced things, uh, experienced them as well. And some of the breakthroughs that happen are just mind blowing. It's like some of the healing that people have carried with them for years, for their entire life. And they get this sense of clarity and understanding uh, and just seeing it from like a new perspective. It just like, right, at least in my experiences, it, it's allowed me to see things in a slight shift. And that shift is more loving. It's more understanding. It's more accepting. It's more forgiving. Uh, it's more understanding of our oneness, knowing that what you did was never deliberately intend, intentional and in hurting me. You were dealing with your own trauma, your own suffering, your own pain. And in that empathy, that forgiveness can really resonate and come through. And, you know, in my experiences with it, it's so obvious to me that this should be something that is available uh, for people legally. Um, and I think in a way that's structured because so long, I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of the stigma comes from not being educated, uh, not knowing a lot about it and people thinking, you know, the term drugs, like people like you're just going to get high. You're just doing, you know what I mean? And you can take LSD or mushrooms and kind of go off and do your own thing and have this, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, or you can do it very intentionally for healing, to work through this trauma and for all these things. So I just feel like there's just both, right? And creating the distinction, like they're not all coupled in one. It's the distinction between one or the other. And maybe just doing drugs to do them with no intention, just because that's just who you are in that moment. And that's what you want to do, as opposed to actually using it. And I don't want to say using it, actually working with the medicine in order to create some real lifelong lasting healing. Yeah, I think I think people engage in psychoactive substances either for the hello, the proverbial hello, or for goodbye. And, and, and the hello to me represents, you know, connection, sometimes just celebration, healing, uh, discovery, uh, restoration. Uh, excavation and the goodbye is departure. And again, as I mentioned, like addiction is, is departure because people are overwhelmed because they don't know how to be here. And that needs to be met, not with judgment and shame, but with kindness and care. So, so the intention is everything. And, and these tools are explosive. They're, they're explosive and they are not to be taken lightly. And, you know, I like how you said uh, I, I, there was a distinction in language and we are living in such a culture of extraction and consumption and domination that when we do partner with these, these plants and, and compounds as allies, we want to really be in relationship to, in relationship with good relations and really work together with them, with the wisdom that they carry in order to be in, in better relations with ourselves, other people in the world. You know, 
you, you mentioned how much love and forgiveness that has come forward for you that you've witnessed in loved ones through the wings of these things. And one, another area that, that is top of mind for me right now, and it has been in many, many ways for, for decades, really, is how do we work with the ones who cause harm? And how do we love what we want to hate, what we want to lock up, what we want to kill? And, and how do we do that externally in, in a world where there is a lot of violence? And, and how do we do that inside, right? Like when I walk the beaches of Venice, right, which, which are very polluted, there's like, you know, Coca-Cola cans and lots of plastic wrappers and, uh, you know, plastic bags and all kinds of like big, big mess. All I think is, wow, people's beaches, their inner beaches are polluted. And, and there's not care inside, Right. Even, even I, I have a deep gratitude practice every morning. I, for this, I've been doing for two decades. I, I write my what I'm thankful for. And I've trained my eye to gather and collect the good and to see it everywhere, including in the places that are challenging or painful. And it, really, it's all love in, in, in the ways that like we really might struggle to understand. But how do we restore internally and externally what we want to throw away, what we want to kill off, what we want to imprison? How, how do we do that? Because that's the only way we'll ever have any chance of stopping that kind of behavior. Hmm. So I love before, whenever I talk to anyone in this space, I think it brings so much more validity and trust and respect when you say, hey, these can be explosive. These need to be done correctly or in, you know, in a supervised way or with somebody who knows what they're doing. I just, and I, I honestly, I think that brings so much more respect to the whole, this whole industry and the way that we're going. Because if you came on, you're like, everything's great. Just, you know, I don't, you know, if there wasn't that sort of just, Hey guys, we need to be safe with these things too. I think it all just goes out the window. And I think a lot of the people who are having a difficult time moving this way, it makes it even that much more difficult for them to move over. So I just think it's great just to keep it real and be honest. You know what I mean? You're not fluffing it up to get people on your on your like on your side. You know what I mean? Just the reality of it is these things are there can be a big deal and not really to be taken wow. so lightly. Uh, and I think it's just great to, to really make that clear. It's so important. It's, it's the most important. I mean, the, the kind of trifecta of elements is set, setting and dose, right? Like the mindset that a person carries, like what is their intention? Why are they doing this? And, and, and if someone yeah. is carrying fear around an experience, that feels good to me. Because you're, you, we are always on the edge of the unknown. None of us have any idea of what's coming right in this next second. But we march around planet Earth with the idea that we do. And, and that's okay. It's, it's part of how we survive. But when we're working with these types of tools and, and partners, we're really, really opening an unknown content. And, and the fear, I, I believe, is reverence and respect. So, so when someone comes in for a session with medicine and they're not nervous, that's when I get nervous. And people become a little less nervous over time because they have some degree of uh, knowledge around what might present in the space of psyche and have a little bit more uh, ease navigating those, those realms. But the mindset, you know, setting, where are you? 
where are you? Who are you with? Are you in a container that's safe? Is it, is it, is it a closed container? It's really, really, really important. And how much are you taking? Mm. You know, in, in a practice that is a psychedelic assisted therapy practice, I'm very specific about dose. And, you know, it's, it's a medical dose that's like, you know, in conversation with a, a medical provider. So set, setting and dose are essential. And yeah, these, these things are, are potent and, and we're not culturally set up for integration. And in indigenous cultures and contexts, the whole fabric of their lives is, is supportive of how we make sense of what might present. We live in ways perhaps more isolated than ever before. And in, in a world that's hyper obsessed with individualism and, and we all need a self, but this don't hold too fast to it, right? Like you have to have a self boundaries are great. I love boundaries. I love them. We need to become better communicators and expressing what's alive inside and bringing you directly to the individual that maybe you're having challenges with. And simultaneously, you know, as we've already discussed, it's, it's a shared field and we need each other. We need each other. We need to be supported. I, I, I had an experience recently where I just thought to myself, wow, my job is weird. It's weird that people need to pay for care. They need to be, they need to pay for someone to listen to them and love up on them. I love, I love, I work my heart all day, Justin. And that, that's what I lead from. I got a lot of education, a lot of trainings. I'm, I'm a teacher, but I'm a student first. And, and what I have really to give is love. Uh, that's such, just so nice to hear you say that. You know, you're, you're literally helping these people so much every single day. And the forefront of what you're doing is that you're giving love. And, and the word love needs, needs reclamation in, in the clinical field. You know, it's, uh, mm. it's been called unconditional positive regard. That's fancy clinical jargon for I love you. And if I don't love a client, I probably shouldn't work with them. Mm. So and let me, what, what are some of the other psychedelics that you specialize in that you're able to educate into. We've talked about ketamine briefly. What are some of the So I'm the MAPS others? trained in the MDMA-assisted psychotherapy protocol for complex PTSD. And I have spent time learning from plants like psilocybin and, and ayahuasca, but I, I work within a legal framework. So that means ketamine. And then I use my voice to educate on, on the others. Hmm. So, so I'll just say, I guess the, the, the ones that I'm most or more familiar with are uh, MDMA. Um, DMT has come in a little bit here. And I, I haven't had an experience with DMT personally, uh, but listening to other podcasts and things like that, DMT is something that has definitely come up. Ayahuasca, I've had a, my own personal experience with that as well. Um, those are, uh, yeah, you know, those are the ones I'm most familiar with. Uh, silo, what is it? Psilocybin? What is that exactly? My, yes. Okay. I'm experiencing much. Okay. I, I'm familiar with mushrooms as well. Um, interesting. So these are all things that you have educated yourself on and you're just able now to spread that knowledge and education on the benefits of these things. Correct. Correct. Got it. Can I ask, do you, do you, hmm. Is there anything that you lean more towards that you just feel like is most beneficial? Or is it really that each individual is their own unique person matched up with their own psychedelic that can bring um, growth or healing 
specifically for them? I think all of the plants and compounds sit in circle together. We so want to create hierarchy and power dynamics. And I really want to get out of that so that we can really sit eye to eye and heart to heart with one another. And then I include uh, the, the medicines in that, the drugs in that. So there are specific plants or compounds that might more effectively treat certain clinical challenges and problems, but, but everybody yeah. is going to have their own preferences. And I, in many ways, effort to be somewhat agnostic about it at this point, because it's a time that there's still quite a lot of constraints around what I can partner with in my practice. But from my own experience, I have my preferences and aspects of Mm. my person that have suffered and struggled. And and there are many, uh, and many that have really been resolved and and some that that are a bit stickier, you know, the, the rubber band of character will snap us back fast. Uh, but certain yeah. things have worked, you know, well in, in certain areas of my person. And, and I have witnessed that in others and also tracked it in the research. And so for anyone literally listening right now, that is, again, just maybe a little bit intrigued about this and right there probably is a little, you're a little scared, a little fear may kick in. Um, what can, I, I know you probably can't say specifically, but what are some of the, experiences that you've seen um, and what we can share with people that they can have some understanding of what to experience uh, and some of the healing that can come from it if they were to take a psychedelic uh, with that sort of a mindset. As I've already mentioned, I just want to honor and validate fear. And, and there's fear mm-hmm. that, that that's really good and healthy and, and signaling to your body, like, I gotta go. This is, I gotta, I gotta pursue safety. This is not safe. And then there's fear that's that's like, okay, I got to lean in here. I have to do this thing. Yeah. And for those who might be interested in in pursuing a personal experience, you know, I would invite research. I would invite investigation. I would, and and, and then if you encounter a facilitator in much the same way that I mentioned previously around a therapist, like interview them. How long have you been doing this? What's your experience? What's the context that you hold? And then inviting the person to trust whatever their intuition is around, is this an accurate place for me to explore? I am really passionate about family work. And I think the, what I'm most, most proud of is, is converting my father to psychedelic medicine. And my dad is my main squeeze MD in my ketamine assisted psychotherapy practice. I work with a number of physicians, but he's my, he's my primary provider. And my father, you know, he's been a physician for over 50 years and, and he was a really good kid. And so was I. So, so drugs were not on the good list. And <clears throat> both of us were late to the proverbial party. My dad much later than I. And when I initially shared with my father about my first psychedelic experience, which I did, you know, I was nervous to do it, but I was like, I want to tell my dad. And so many people don't tell their parents because they fear their judgment or their, their uh, lack of approval, et cetera. And, and I'm one of, mm-hmm. I am one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very common. Mm-hmm. And you know, my, yeah. my dad initially had a lot of concern and fear. He was like, you went to Columbia, what are you doing? And mm. you got straight A's what you're doing drugs. I invited him to be more curious and to investigate and to also listen to me. 
and listen to what my experiences were and to watch me. And he, he did. And, and ultimately it was took several years. So I think that's important to name. He became open to having an experience of his own. So my dad also in, in dedication to his own development and his own betterment went to psychoanalysis for decades. He went to psychoanalysis for decades, but none of the, what he gained there was really able to translate into his behavior. It was all in the realm of cognition. He was efforting and investing, but it wasn't working. You know, we talk a lot about treatment-resistant conditions. It's not that people are resisting treatment. It's that the treatments aren't working. And we need better ones. So with my father, I've watched him from the ages of 75 to 78, literally transform and flower. This is a different dude. And my relationship with him has wildly evolved. And through that, vis-a-vis that transformation, my relationship with men has changed. Mm. He's my best friend, my dad. And his ability to like talk and listen, to listen specifically, has catapulted. And, and to listen to, to me, to music, to life, to other people, it's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he's also, he's also Justin, like my dad was a fierce atheist and, and I say this tongue in cheek. So for the atheists out there, hear it gently, you know, I, I think that someone who's a pure atheist lacks intellectual rigor and, 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 and application of like, what's actually going on here. I, I see God everywhere. And my dad was a fierce atheist who is no more. My dad like prays in his own way now and has really softened his fears around death and dying. We're all going to die. And we don't talk about death enough. Exactly. I couldn't, I cannot agree more. So I, I just feel really passionate, passionate about family work. My mother was also a complex PTSD case, beautiful spirit, beautiful heart. I have my mother's heart and it's my favorite, favorite thing about me, but she got a lot of expensive treatment, a lot of expensive treatment that didn't work and that in many ways re-traumatized her. And so she developed an addiction later in life as my sister was dying. So I've done some death rodeos. Both of them were sick for a long period and passed. And, and I know, I know with every fiber of my being that my mother would have lived longer with access to these interventions. And at this point, my dad is a medical doctor with a lot of access and uh, knowledge of, of, of the information that's now out there, knows the same. So I work for my mom and I work for my dad and I work for the little ones and I, and I work for the big ones and I work for the little ones inside of the big ones because our inner child is always alive. And, and I'm passionate about family work. People come in to therapy with mommy, daddy stuff. It's the intimate architecture of where we all come from, irrespective of what mother, father looks like. Maybe you didn't have either, but like the absence is then your information. That's mm, that about your dad is incredible. What are some of the other breakthroughs, experiences that you witnessed? I just, I want people listening to, to really grasp what can come from this and the massive benefits that can really, because I think that's a big, choosing the right, I don't like to say problem or issue. It's like one of the things that is maybe 
causing some friction for people to be more accepting of this sort of a, of therapy, right? Is not really knowing like what to expect or what am I going to get out of this? What's really the point? Um, so is that, can you share maybe just some literally breakthroughs that you've seen, some huge transformations, transformations that you have witnessed that people can be like, maybe, you know, I could, I could really use something like that as well. Sure. So there's so many success stories. stories. You know, I have witnessed people really walk out of deep, deep suicidal ideation into embracing their lives and themselves. I have supported people in coming off decades of psychotropic medications, which by the way, I'm not against psychotropic medications, but I, they're symptom management. They're not addressing roots. And what are those? Your your antidepressants, your, you know, these kinds of medications. And I I have witnessed people develop healthy self-regard, confidence. I've I've seen people Mm. uh, leave high paying jobs for less paying jobs that are more aligned with what they actually care about and want to be doing. I've seen people ask for big raises and get them because they're valuing their their time and contribution more. Uh, I've, I've seen people confront individuals in their lives who, who've hurt them and who they've remained silent around and in doing so have mm. reclaimed their power and have shed shame. I, I have seen so much aliveness and, and hope. Uh, I, I've seen people heal PTSD and, and become functional. I've seen people who've been out of relationships for eons step into them. Thank you for sharing that. It is so, uh, it's so beautiful. Like the goodness, I like in all of those examples that you just it gave, it made, it created like a happiness and a joy in me knowing that other people are experiencing those types of and things. I'll, and I'll tell you, themselves. Justin, like I was a walking war zone for a lot of my life. I, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a happy kid. I, I have so much excitement for life. It like, I'm excited about airplanes and trees. I'm like a kid. I'm a child in many ways. And and I have reclaimed something that in some ways I never had. And myself, I I have, you know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, struggled with an eating disorder and I've come to really love my body, not, not only for its function, but also for form and, and, and to like welcome my own beauty, which, you know, I felt ugly. I felt ugly as a little kid and, and to let those stories go, those, those, you know, misguided defense mechanisms fall away. I was just a burning man. And like I, my, my favorite part of this year's burn was me and tracking how much kindness, care, respect, and love I have for myself. And with that, with that really authentically anchored, I have so much more capacity for presence and play and, and for like decision-making mm. that's accurate versus like, chasing comparison, et cetera. It's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually really good. Yeah. <laughs> I love the more presence in play. Like that's everything being present, being here in the moment and finding the joy, being playful, just having fun, not taking everything so seriously. I think that's just, that's and again, incredible. And also, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we learned to stop playing. The psychedelic realms have, yeah. have validated my imagination again. 
And so now my meditations are fertilized with creativity. I, I, I trip in when I sit. I don't need medicine. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Let's before let's integration. Let's definitely talk about integration. I know that is a huge part of it. So first off, what is integration? So integration. What, what, what is the word? It implies disintegration. When we fracture, when we splinter, when we break apart, we often lose ourselves. We're all whole, no matter how quote unquote broken you think you are, or however much pain your life might be exhibiting, you're whole. So, so there's a, a natural return to wholeness in integration. Now, integration, life, like life, is an action sport. It's not a cognitive exercise. And it's not a thing that you do. It's a process and a way of living. And in my mind, it requires practice. And it requires attention. It requires your time. It requires, you know, doing stuff. And it's... In, in the realms of psychedelic assisted therapy, so often people have experiences that are didactic, that are informing like something that needs to be done. So then it's doing the thing. Maybe you've been scared of it. Maybe maybe you've been resisting it. it it's, it's a forward movement. And, you know, from a psychedelic assisted therapy lens, integration is the name of the game. Like I, I, I'm, I, an experience can have tremendous merit on its own, my intention with my work is, is for people's lives to become more integrated, to become more whole, for them to take the experiences that they have with me in our relationship, in the container that is the therapeutic dynamic and alliance into their, their lives. Integration, I feel like it's something I never even thought about before. I have a friend who um, is in the psychedelic realm as well, and she's the one who who started telling me about integration. And I'm like, integration is everything. Because what's the point of the experience if you can't integrate it and take it into your everyday life? That is that is the thing. It. I mean, we also live in a world. So the experience itself can have merit, right? On its own. Enough, right? Yeah. And simultaneously, I want people to live in alignment with their heart's truth. I want people to live in in alignment with, with their own intuition, which is divine direction. I want people to live in good relationship with themselves and others. So that's work. Now, work is sometimes a funky word. It's effort. It's effort. And, 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 yeah. and it's, it is good effort, right? Like that's where the change starts to happen. I love, like, I'll catch myself a lot of the times when I say the word work, but I'm like, it's not really work. It's fun. It's, and I had somebody on the, on the podcast where I was saying, he's like, just try if this resonates mm -hmm. with you use the word play. Like we're just playing with it, right? We're just, just kind of experiencing it, having fun with it. And literally if you think about it, and I'm like, yes, cause I'm not in those. And just in, in the, in like the work of life of, of mindfulness, of meditation and, and, and connecting to my, uh, my soul, all the, you know, all these things for, to, to tap into who I truly am. I, I think it's beneficial. Maybe if, other people listening right now too also want to try it and maybe shift away from the, the idea of work because work has it's, implications. It's a word like, that's oh, charged in much the same way that is, drugs is charged. And for me, it carries the connotation yeah. of, of hustle and hyper productivity and more, and it's never enough. It's 
that that I want to get away from. Yeah. And I'm also sitting with one of my favorite books next to me, Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. And, and the way he speaks about work is very different. So like love, like drugs, word work needs rehab. And in our collective imagination and kind of the ways in which we understand it. Right? It's like, we know the way it means when we say work. We don't actually mean yeah. the brunt of it. Oh, this is miserable. But I mean, the language words are so limited. You know, they limit us and how we can express ourselves so, so much. We have right. to just like kind of work water with what, versus what swimming we have the ocean and stuff like that. Av- like avocado versus eating it. It's a very different thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so wild too. I, you mentioned about your, about your dad too, because I was literally having a conversation with my dad yesterday in Miami. We were walking on the beach and uh, he, you know... He carries a lot of past trauma. He is a beautiful man. He is just like, mm. just a great father. Um, but you know, like a lot of us, he carries a lot of trauma. So we were kind of getting into that yesterday, walking on the beach and really going very, very deep into certain things. And, you know, in ways he's handling situations now, how that actually stems from when he was a child and his relationship with his parents and his mom and his dad and all these things. And I mentioned uh, psychedelics to him. And like, giving it real, again, I'm very new to this. Like, I have an understanding, but I'm not someone up here that's like telling you, I know, I know how it works exactly. And, you know, listen to me, I'm a professional. I'm not at all. But I was talking to him about it and just kind of floating the idea out to him. And not being like that, you don't need to do this. I am just going to share my experiences with it and how they benefited me. Right, because whom I'm in no position myself personally with my information and knowledge on it to be like, hey, you should definitely do this. And I think that's a good way to catch ourselves because how many times we're like, no, 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 I have this brief experience of it's something, a, you should do the, it. The conversion agenda is um, a rookie, and I've done the, It's like people have the experience, like, ah, so excited, and I love the excitement. Like I love the excitement, but then you want to like convert the whole world. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it was really like, I, and you telling that story about your dad, I'm like. You know, in years from that, maybe it will take years um, for him to be open to an experience like that. That would be great. Totally. And if he's not, that's fun. also great too. But it's, uh, you know, what? he at first, because I've brought up to him before too. And so in the beginning, like when I had first had these sorts of experiences, I did not share them with my parents at all. But now as time has gone on, I have shared them with them clearly. But um, he, at first, he's like, I don't want to, it was like, definitely, it was a lack of knowledge it being unknown, it being new, it being different. Those are all things that definitely created fear um, in him to, to, you know, want to do it. But then I started talking about things more and he's like, there was a peak of interest. He's like, all right, so that, that's, that's really what it's like. And I could just see there was some sort of a draw, right? But it's still, I think it's still too new and a little too fresh and too foreign. But there was like that's like little peaks. So we'll see where things go as time moves on. But I thought that was just, I literally was having this conversation with him yesterday. And then Sounds you like talked a little about your dad. window. I that opened. was just so cool. Little window. Let's start. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and like that, instead of going to like yeah. 10 years of therapy, you can maybe have one experience where it like really clears all those thing, things up for you and just allows you to. It's, I always go back to it, but it like allows you to have more forgiveness and understanding towards people. It's like a lot of that trauma that we hold, at least in my experience, is mm-hmm. because of what someone did to me. And what psychedelics have helped me understand, mm-hmm. it's they never did it to me, ever. 
they were in their own trauma, their own pain, trying their best to do what they could do. And that's just how it came out. My my dad in one session was able to forgive his parents. And and the, the conclusion for him from that experience was, they love me and I love them. And, and that's the whole story. And th- they've been, you know, gone from this planet for, for a long time. And he was still marching around with resentment and it was disappeared in one session. That like, that is, uh, <laughs> that's why I get so excited. Like that's the power behind it. That is just love. That's uh, why I, anything love, I'm very intrigued. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very into and this is just such another way, another avenue into more love of each other. And it should be done and, and worked with in loving ways and in conscious, good, loving ways. And from that place, the most magical experiences that have the possibility to translate into how you experience life is right there. It's right there. It's unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been shown and grown on the wings of many things mm-hmm. many times. And, and I am different. I, 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 I am so connected to my heart, so at home in the kingdom, in that castle. I, I am so anchored from a place of, of kindness and care that begins with me and extends well beyond me. And all the time, like, and even towards the leaves on the branches of the trees outside my window. Thank you. Thank you, life. I didn't want to be here for a long time when I was younger. I didn't know how. What a crazy shift that is. Not wanting to be here to finding joy in a leaf, literally. Like those are, could not be on opposite, more opposite ends of the spectrum. And the power in the psychedelic, those things that and actually were able to with get you care, there and right? create. Coupled yeah. with relationship, coupled with community, yeah, yeah. coupled with context to understand and to then move it forward. So the, the integration, yes. right? Uh, I, I've had profound yep. spiritual loving experiences and then the, the privilege of support on the back end. But if someone's considering this kind of thing, like, you know, you're not just taking a drug here. Like this is, this isn't diabetes medicine. This is, this is spirit medicine. This is spiritual surgery. And, and it can very much be done and it can be done at any age and stage. It's never too late. And, and there's really no problem. That's too big. Even in the maps studies, they have taken some of the most abysmal cases and experienced and demonstrated a clinical improvement on, on significant scales you know, people who who were, you know, other studies would never touch are all of a sudden living good lives and feeling feeling that goodness inside of their beings. Mm. That's all to me, that's what it's all about. Feeling goodness, feeling love inside of you that you can feel for yourself and then expand and out. Self-hatred, and self-hatred, self-judgment, else. the inner critic, it's misguided defense mechanism. And usually a person has some degree of like sadness around the fact that they're overwhelmed by the judgment and the criticism and the shaming, et cetera. And it's that sadness that is the seed of self-love. Amazing. Lauren, before we cut out, I have to ask you the question I ask every single guest. My goal in life, and you're doing it, it's awesome, is to help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to one that is more loving and more kind and peaceful, one that embraces and truly understands our oneness. 
How do you feel like every single day in your practice and what you're doing in your personal life, how do you feel like you are helping contribute to this sort of a shift in consciousness? Honestly, by tending to my own piece of earth that I get to steward, which is this body and and the spirit that lives in it and the mind that lives in it. Because when I anchor in my own self-love, the only thing, Justin, that makes sense, the only thing that makes sense is to love, period. And that's true for all of us. So... And it's uh, from so there true. that I have like uh, the, so, the yeah. good fortune and blessing to be in service of, of, of the, the journey of humanity in individual lives and the lives of certain families and couples that I work with and in, in, in the lives of my students. And, you know, and then I'm receiving it's a back and forth, right? Like to receive care and give care, inhale, exhale. This is how we're designed. And, and it is one shared field. We are all part of the experience. We are branches on the tree of the experience called life. And let us like anchor in, in our own kind of branch leaf vibe and simultaneously recognize the interconnectivity of all things in a good and loving way. Because we're only ever experiencing ourselves. Yes. So if we are in a space of love and, and compassion and forgiveness, if we can see the triggers as teachers, if we can see the suffering as ultimately a pathway to peace and, and, and more freedom, then we can, we can do it. And we can get there and we can do it together. And that's the only way. That's the only way. Uh, So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that at the end. That was perfect. What would you say just for someone who is uncertain about taking the step where there's that little fear that's there, what is something that you feel like you can say um, to help encourage somebody to just maybe give something like this a try if they, if, if, you know, if they are really in a place where they could use something like this? Uh, I would invite people to recognize that this is working for, for people like this, like the most devastated cases are hopeful and are getting better. And to, I would invite a person to interrogate their own thinking and where did they learn what they know? And are these actually good sources? And to appreciate that on some level, most of us are taking some kind of a drug, whether it's caffeine or wine or Advil or whatever it is, chocolate. And what, what is it? What, what is this thing? What is my fear? And from that place, educate, like, you know, I, it's a great beginner's book and very comprehensive in that way of being a beginner's book, how to change your mind by Michael Pollan. And there's so many others and articles like, like get yourself anchored in real information and then decide, right. You, it may actually not be for you, but decide from a place of, of information, Mm. of accurate information and not just cultural conditioning. And, and, and trust that like this stuff is absolutely working. It absolutely works. It doesn't work for everyone. It's not a silver bullet. It's not the panacea. It's not the solution, but it works. And it works when it's worked with well. Ah, amazing. And then Lauren, before we cut out, if you can please let everybody know where they can find you online, on social media, where they can reach out to you. You can find me on my Instagram at lauren.taus. I like to provide informational snacks around drugs and feelings there. You can also find me on my website, inbodiedlife.com. It's I-N. The way out is in. The way through is in. Go in, 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 inbodiedlife.com. I also have a training program for psychedelic assisted therapy. It's training.inbodiedlife.com. So for any clinicians out there that might be interested in learning with me and in committee with other epic teachers please check that out and i'm sending so much love to all the listeners and thank you so much for having me justin oh amazing of course thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge 
and helping bring this more to the landscape and more to people's awareness um, and helping people feel more comfortable with it because there is such power here and you are helping create that. Thank you. So just this thank you so much. A big hug. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, everybody, hope this is helpful. We have so much love for all of you. Reach out to Lauren with any questions, if you're considering this at all. If you're not considering it and you're like, hey, I just want to learn a little bit more, reach out to Lauren. Educate yourself. I love that. Gain more knowledge. This has been amazing. Lauren, you are a beautiful, beautiful soul. Thank you for sharing everything that you are. You're passionate. It, it resonates. It shines through. It is so obvious. And I am super grateful to have had you here and to have been a vessel to create more Thank awareness. Thank you again for having uh, me. Such a juicy, fun conversation. Big love to everybody. Yes. Uh, everybody, we love Thank you. We'll you. see you next time. Take care. <laughs>